Today on Stick to Football, no around the league, maybe some draft on draft if we have time. Mello, we are getting right into it, buddy. There's nothing happening around the league. It is dead quiet. Unless you want to spend the next 30 minutes talking about how McCown retired, which I don't care about. I know nope. a lot of, like, I, that's all I hear on Sports Talk Radio right now is people talking about that. I don't give a shit. Like, good career, man. I'm moving on. We are moving on. So we're going to jump in. Connor's on vacation somewhere on a Euro trip right now. Does Hinge work in Europe? I, I guess we're going to have to ask him when we'll he comes back. We'll find out when he gets back. Yeah, he'll definitely know. So enjoy your trip, Connor. We got a nice show for you today. We are going to go position group by position group and give you the five colleges with the best talent at those positions. Quarterback, running back, receivers, O-line, D-line, linebackers, and DB. So if there's time at the end, we'll throw in some draft on draft questions. We got them saved, but this is going to be an intense show with a lot of information. You'll probably have to listen to it four or five times, but we're getting to this time of year. It's the middle of June. We have a lot of things to preview now that we cover basically every form of football available. I'm waiting for us to cover high school, frankly. This will get you started, at least, for the college football preview for the 2019 season. And I always love this. I know that we used to see this all the time when we were kids. We'd get those college football magazines. And now that I'm an adult, <laughs> I got tired of waiting for it. I got right. tired of looking for the magazines and waiting. So I, we went out and we did it ourselves. And I feel really good about our list. Matt, we actually only agree on two positions. Really? We have the top schools uh, for two positions, and that's running back and receiver for spoiler alerts. Every other position group, we disagree on who the best is. That's awesome. I love when that happens. And I, we were talking before we recorded. We came up with this idea yesterday and was like, oh, this is going to be easy. So I, I put off doing it. I went to back to our hometown last night. Our parents run a, a charity there, helped them out. We fed over 100 people last night. It was amazing. Um, and I thought, oh, this would be fine. I got home about 9 o'clock last night. I was up until 1.30 this morning. Yeah, and as soon as we <laughs> talked about it yesterday, I kind of got started and realized, like, holy shit, this is a lot of work to come up and do this all on your own. Some of them were easy. Like, you knew Clemson and Alabama were going to have some schools in there, or sorry, position groups in there. But I also tried to find some really underrated position groups, too, of schools that people don't usually think of as like a, a DBU Same. or, you know, some of those other groups. So I, I'm pretty proud of my list. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't want to just do Alabama, you know, for everyone. It's like, oh, well, it's Alabama. Yeah, I know I intentionally left them off of one of my position groups. OK, I respect that. I like that a lot. Well, let's jump into it then. Let's start with the position that everyone knows about. Everyone talks about. Let's start with the quarterback position and this is the big one and again this is position groups so not the school with the best player but the schools with the most talent let me pull my notes back up here uh, because this was actually a lot harder to do than I thought because I wanted to be true to the idea of like you said when we were kids we'd get those college football magazines to be oh we're the top five position groups now we are that magazine and have to come up with this on our own so I didn't just go best player I went best group, and that's why number one for me, I went with Alabama because obviously Tua Tungavolaya is going to be a Heisman candidate, maybe a Heisman winner. I actually think he should have won it last year. 
but it's also what they have behind him. Nick Saban has done a great job recruiting in Alabama. So I'll get into the rest of my list, but I actually have Bama one because of Mac Jones, because of Tua, and then what they're continuing to build here. I think they have good depth down the line, but you don't have them number one. Right, and it's going to sound like we're just going top heavy here because I have Clemson number one because I think they have the best quarterback potentially in the whole world, but they're the number one group for me because of that depth. You talked about Mac Jones at Alabama. He's a very good quarterback. I think that he could step into that offense, and maybe he will next year, and they're still a national championship contender. I think the same thing with Clemson. I think Chase Bryce came in last year. He's a young guy, and he proved that he can be good enough at the quarterback position to run the ball with Travis Etienne and get it to Justin Ross and T. Higgins. So I have them number one on my list. My list goes Clemson, Alabama, and then I'm going to have Michigan because I really like Dylan McCaffrey and what he can do. And shout out to Dan Barnes. I hope our boy gets on the field this year because I'm not a Shea Patterson fan. And then I have Oklahoma because no duh, they have Lincoln Riley. And as long as he's the head coach there, I think they're going to have a top quarterback I don't even care who they recruit or who they bring in. I think I'm just going to add them to the list. And then number five for me, I think is kind of a surprise. I'm going with Florida. Oh, that is a surprise. And we talked about not going top heavy. I don't think Felipe Franks is an elite level quarterback. I think he's a guy that we'll see at the senior bowl come January, but they also have some depth behind him with guys like Emory Jones and Kyle Trask. They both played last year and they played pretty darn well. So when you have three quarterbacks on your roster, you ha- you can't deny the depth that they have there. So they get number five for me. Yeah, I like that. And I actually remember watching the spring game before we got just completely wasted that day. And Florida, I remember their backup quarterbacks looking really good and thinking, dang, this like Franks is good, but they might have some yeah. competition. So I'm very close here with you. I went Alabama one, Clemson two. So we just flip flopped to those. I went Oklahoma three. Like you said, obviously Jalen Hurts is a heck of a player, um, but they have recruited very, very well at that position. Spencer Rattler, Spencer the Rattler, number one quarterback exactly. in the nation. Yeah, so I'm very excited about him coming in, as excited as a Texas fan can be, at least. Uh, and then they ha- they also have Tanner Mordecai, who's a redshirt freshman. I know that they've said some nice things about him. So they have some de- depth. They have some talent there. And it does help that you have Lincoln Riley, who has produced the last two Heisman Trophy winners and the last two number one picks in the NFL draft. It scares me to think that Spencer Rattler might be there with Lincoln Riley for the next four years. You see what he's done with, you know, Baker Mayfield for two years, Kyler Murray for two years. Those guys are very good quarterbacks. I would hate to see what he can do as a Texas fan with a quarterback for three to four years. Yeah, it's terrifying. Hopefully he's coaching. the. Hopefully transfer back to Arizona. Bear down. Rattler. Uh, Yeah, Arizona is going to be on my list. Number four, though, I went with a surprise. At least I I think it is. I went with the University of Missouri because they do Mm -hmm. have Kelly Bryant, who comes in as a graduate transfer. Uh, I don't think he's an NFL prospect at quarterback. I I think he is at maybe at receiver. I know that Clemson had even talked to him about moving to that position. Not that they need any help at receiver, Uh, but they also have some talent behind him with Taylor Powell, who's a redshirt sophomore. Michael Wilson, who's a redshirt junior, they have very good depth at the quarterback position at Mizzou. So I think they're a school to keep an eye on. And then number five, uh, I went with Michigan a little bit lower than you. Like Shea Patterson, uh, you know, I don't think he's been the savior that everyone expected him to be at Michigan. I'm very excited to see what Dylan McCaffrey can do once he gets on the field. Yeah, I hope Dylan McCaffrey gets another year of eligibility. I know Michigan lists him 
as a junior, but he didn't play his freshman year. So he actually has that fifth year option. Yeah, it's that weird, like, this is your academic year versus your... Some schools do that. Michigan and Notre Notre Dame Dame, used to do it, I know. Like, why can't we just list these guys as red shirts? Yeah. So I don't have to see them walk out there for senior day and be like, oh, okay, he is a senior. (laughs) Oh, wait, no, he's going to come back for a fifth year. Just list them as a red shirt. It's very confusing when you don't. I agree. All right, let's move on to this running backs list. Again, we're talking about total talent at the running back position. I went with Oklahoma. The Sooners have talent at the running back position. Again, I don't like it, but they have it, man. They are loaded for bear at that running back spot. You look at what they bring back with Kennedy Brooks. They got Trey Sermon, uh, TJ Pledger, even as their number three back would probably start for almost every other team in the big 12. So Oklahoma's got it working at the running back position. And I agree with you too. I have them number one as well. And it's, I mean, we're two position groups down and we've mentioned Oklahoma twice. That sucks for us, but you can't deny it because last year, Rodney Anderson got hurt and a lot of the fan base kind of panicked and thought, Oh no, we're going to have this void at running back. And then in comes Trey Sermon, and then Kennedy Brooks takes some carries. Both of these guys rushed for almost 1,000 yards and 12 touchdowns last year. They are going to be very good running backs. And then they have T.J. Pledger. They just have depth for days there at the offensive They probably have some four-star freshman that we're not talking about because he's going to be the number four running back. And right. then next year, he'll Yeah, somebody will get hurt, yards. and he'll come in as a sophomore, and everybody will be like, holy hell, where was this guy last year? It's not fair. Let's move down to list number two. We are the same on this as well. It is the... Clemson Tigers, they are loaded at so many positions, but this really starts with Travis Etienne. They didn't have really anyone else have to carry the load last year, but he's just that good. But I think behind him, Lynn J. Dixon as a sophomore, someone to yeah. definitely keep an eye on. Averaged 8.8 yards per carry last year. That's just, you talk about depth with Oklahoma. Clemson has it too. Dabo has that team just rolling and it's just, they're going to churn out talent after talent there, especially at running back and Travis Etienne might be one of the best running backs in the nation. So they get that number two team for me as well. Yeah, they're, God, they're just going to be so good. Every time I look at Clemson's depth chart, I'm like, oh, yep, they're good. Number three, this is where I have Wisconsin. I know a lot of people are going to think this is just because of Jonathan Taylor, and he is very, very good. But I also think they have depth there. They've recruited well at this position. Uh, Nakia Watson, as a redshirt freshman, he's the next guy up. So if something happens to Taylor this year or you see a lot of blowout games, keep an eye on number 25 because I think Watson will be that next great Wisconsin running back we're talking about. Yeah, Wisconsin is another great team that always has depth. I'm going to mix it up here. I'm going with Georgia and DeAndre Swift. Everybody knows him. He's another one of those top running backs. Uh, But Georgia always has like three to four good running backs. And even though they lose Elijah Holyfield, who was very good, they still have guys like Brian Harrion who are going to come back and, and be just, you know, those good Georgia running backs. They have James Cook, who was a sophomore last year, who did very good. They also have a guy by the name of Zamir White, who I was very excited to see last year as an incoming freshman until he tore his ACL. And if he is healthy and Georgia can recover from torn ACLs at yeah, the running back position, he's, he's going to be the next great Georgia running back. So that's why I have them so high. A lot of it depends on if he's healthy, but I think that he can come back and be healthy. Yeah, Georgia is number five on my list. So I have an Oklahoma, Clemson, Wisconsin. And then I went with a surprise school. I know our guy Daniel Jeremiah will love this. I'm putting App State here. And I know a lot of people are like, what the fuck, Matt? Like, why Why do you have <laughs> yeah, App State I'm running back I'm very curious as to why you have it. They have two running backs, and their quarterback runs the ball a lot, too. So they actually have 
three guys who run the ball that are very, very good. But when you look at the running back position, they have Darrington Evans, a junior, and they have Marcus Williams, a redshirt junior. Both guys rushed for over 800 yards last year. So they have the production. And when I was doing this list, like you're looking at the Georgias and like, damn, look at all these guys they have running the ball. Mm -hmm. But then App State is right there with the production. Their rushing offense is absolutely amazing. You got to hat tip Zach Thomas, a quarterback, because he's dangerous as well. But they got a three-headed monster in the backfield. I don't know that they should throw the ball next year at all. They're just so good running the football. It's like watching Army play, basically. Yeah. I really like App State. I have ever since they beat Michigan. Once they beat Michigan, yeah. I've been kind of following them now that they're actually playing with the big boys. I think they're going to have a very good season again, probably win the Sun Belt. Uh, for me, I'll run my list back. I went Oklahoma 1, Clemson 2, Georgia 3. And then I talked about Oregon and their running backs earlier in a, in a different podcast, but I'm going to mention them here at number four because they had two freshmen last year. C.J. Verdell uh, ran, ran for 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns, and Travis Dye, who's a little bit of a shiftier back. Those two running backs are going to eat this year. With Justin Herbert at quarterback, probably the best quarterback in the nation, or at least one of them, and then uh, – four offensive linemen returning on this group, one of the best offensive lines in the nation. So these running backs are definitely going to have their chance and they're going to have their open holes. They're going to get a lot of yards this year and they're going to be more comfortable coming into that sophomore season. Yeah, I want to correct myself because I combined the numbers. Darrington Evans had 1,200 yards. Marcus Williams had almost 600. So combined, they had 1,800 yards. So a very good rushing duo. Oregon's going to pop back up on my my list as we get into it a little bit more. Top quarterbacks, top running backs, they're in the bag. Let's take a break. We come back. We're going to get you those pass catchers and look at the offensive lines. I know that our guy Duke Mannyweather is going to be very excited for this part of the show. Before the ad, we talked about quarterbacks and running backs, the top five position groups. Let's talk about those pass catchers and those hog mollies up front, the guys who have to protect the quarterbacks and running backs. Pass catcher groups first. This is receivers and tight ends, not just wide receivers. I think this is so obvious who the best one is. It's obviously Alabama. When you have Jerry, OBJ, Judy out there, Henry Ruggs might be the fastest player in college football. They just have depth on depth on depth at Alabama. It's amazing. It used to be, and kind of still is, they would have running backs. You know, they would yeah. have five running backs that you're like, oh my God. <laughs> now they probably still do, but it is definitely it's going with receiver two. And this is the last position group that we agree on who number one is because I have Alabama too. And you cannot deny uh, Jerry Judy. I think that he is far and away the number one receiver in this upcoming draft, maybe even the number one overall prospect. But I'll tell you what, if he's not on this team, Alabama's still up there, and they're still going to make the top five position group. Jalen Waddell, the sophomore coming in, and Henry Ruggs, yep. those two guys are legit 4-2-40 guys. And, I mean, you look at Jerry Judy, what he does on the field, he's nowhere near as fast as these two guys. And then they have Devontae Smith as well. The talent there at receiver is crazy. It was actually so deep that Justin Ross said, actually, I'm probably going to go to Clemson so I can get on the field a little bit earlier. That That's is, how good they are. You say, because Jalen Waddell – was the dude like the and you're right four two four speed um from the state of texas i believe so <laughs> yeah, that's where that's that speed tough. comes from so uh tough to see him go but alabama uh they also they have to replace some depth uh some production at tight end with irv smith jr gone to the nfl they have it there with miller forrestall uh kedrick james they're just they're deep at every position alabama is so they're loaded you mentioned justin ross though mellow 
And this is where I have the number two group at wide receiver. I think you have to look at T Higgins, Justin Ross. They're both on track to become top 10 picks at some point in time. Clemson is incredibly loaded at the receiver position. Not as much at tight end. It's just not a position that they use very often. But even with you losing the 40 year old Hunter Renfro, this is still an amazing group. And I've actually heard that guys like Joseph Nada coming in and Frank Ladson coming in, Frank Ladson Jr., both coming in as freshmen, they expect huge things from those guys as the next players up, which is what they always do at Clemson. Yeah. Da- Dabo, you know, playing receiver at Alabama, coaching receiver. They've been amazing there. receiver there. coach there, who I can't think of his name right now, is probably the best receiver coach in the nation. Jeff Scott. Jeff Scott is yeah. great at what he does. They also have some guys like Kendrick and Overton that are coming back off that list. Um, one guy that I'm very disappointed, he tore his ACL this spring, uh, was Armani Rogers. I yeah. thought he was going to really break out. He was kind of the return specialist, that short area quickness. Uh, it sucks for him. Uh, they actually think that he might be able to come back and play a little bit because I think they're expecting to make a run in the college football playoff, yeah, which probably. I don't doubt. And if he uses only four games, he can redshirt that year. So I have Clemson at number two as well. You just can't deny Justin Ross and T Higgins. That's two of the best receivers in all of college football, and they're on the same team. Well, now it's time to cause a fight because at number three overall, I have a team from Ann Arbor. The Michigan Wolverines. You got Tariq Black, Nico Collins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Sean McKeon coming back at tight end. They got Nick Eubanks there as well. This group should go five wide all the time. I I know they have a good running back in Christian Turner, but Michigan is loaded. Those three receivers might be the best three receivers in college football. If you could just take three receivers from any school, no, I'd still take Alabama. Michigan would be second. They would be up there. They would be way up there. So Jim Harbaugh, for all the shots he's taken, the man can recruit some wide receivers. But you don't have Michigan at number three. You have that other school. Yeah, I have Ohio State at number three, which is just crazy because look at the players they lost they lost Paris Campbell they lost scary Terry McLaurin and they lost Johnny Dixon to the NFL and they still return the number three receiver group in all of the nation because they have guys like senior KJ Hill who caught 70 balls last year he's good he's gonna be very good they also return Austin Mack and Benjamin Victor all three of those guys are gonna be senior bowl candidates and they are all three very good Last year with Dwayne Haskins, they had a pass-happy offense, which got a lot of receivers on the field. I don't know that they're going to have that same style of offense this year, but they do have depth at receiver, and the difference between Ohio State and Michigan, who I have at number five, is health and durability. If Michigan, if those guys can stay on the field, you are 100% right. They're electric, and I love Donovan Peoples-Jones. I think he's one of the best receivers, and I just love watching him play. If Tariq Black can come back from the foot injuries that he's had, that is going to be an elite group, and I do have them at number five. Yeah, and I have, excuse me, I have Oklahoma. I'm getting ahead of myself. I have Ohio State at four. There it is. Mm-hmm. There's so many names on this list right here. So I have an Alabama, Clemson, Michigan, Ohio State, and I just gave away. I have Oklahoma at five. Even though they lost Marquise Brown to the NFL, man, it doesn't matter. I think C.D. Lamb might be better than him. I do, too. Uh, amazing player. Grant Calcaterra is going to have a ton of production. They like Charleston Rambo, a redshirt sophomore, coming up. And then at tight end, they're going to have guys. Uh, Nick Basquin is going to get catch a ton of passes, I think, from Jalen Hurts. They're going to work the middle of the field. They do it so well. So, oh, let's create all this space. And everyone just forgets that we have a tight end somehow. You know that they're going to catch. Just look back at what like Mark Andrews did there. Right. I think we're going to see a ton of production from the tight end. 
spot. I, I do too. I really like him, but I didn't put Oklahoma on this list. Of course you didn't. Uh, for once, thankfully. I went with Florida because Florida is returning their top six receivers in 2018. Think about that. Your top six receivers. Van Jefferson is going to lead this group. He had 35 catches last year. Josh Hammond is another experienced receiver. He had 28 last year. They also have Trevin Grimes, who's like a 6'5", just red zone beast. A lot of talent there for Dan Mullen. This Florida team, I saw some early top 25 votes that had them top 10, and I was like, what the hell? Like Florida's not going to be that good. They are. We've, I've already mentioned at quarterback with the depth they have there. They've got some good running backs coming back. You know they're going to be salty on defense. Yeah. And then these six returning receivers that they have, this might be the best receiver group that they've had since Urban Meyer was there, or hell, maybe even since Steve Spurrier was there. Yeah, since the Percy Harvin days. Yeah. Oh, man. I still can't wait for that documentary I'm going to make one of these days. So that's the receiver groups I had at Bama, Clemson, Michigan, Ohio State, Oklahoma. Mello had it. Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, Florida, Michigan. So I, it sounds like you're pretty high on Florida. I am. Like, and I really didn't expect that to happen, but I, I, they have some talent there. And their secondary, their linebackers, we're going to talk about them, their defensive line coming up too. Uh, but a lot of talent there in Gainesville. A lot of talent. Let's talk about the offensive line, an underrated group. And here is where you really have to do research. As a podcast host, mm-hmm. as a draft guy, you can't just look at stats. You can't just look at all American teams. You actually have to do the work and look at these players. I am starting where I always start with offensive line scouting, the number one offensive line unit in college football. That is the Iowa Hawkeyes. Alaric Jackson at left tackle, Tristan Worfs at right tackle. They are freaking amazing. You got Cole Banwer at guard, uh, Landon Paulson at the other guard spot. They have a redshirt freshman coming in, Tyler Linderbaum at center. You know they're well coached. You know they're technically sound. This is what Kirk Ferentz does. He knows how to coach offensive line. They will be incredibly ready to go week one. But when you have the two best bookends, I actually think they might be the two best tackles in college football with Jackson and Wirfs. So that helps set the table. And then you have just tough MFers in the interior. Probably two of the best, like the tackle tandem in the nation. I can't think of any two that are better. I, I mean, I like Georgia and what they've done. I like Oregon and what they've done. But those two tackles, both look like first-round picks, and I, I think they can even come back for next year's draft if they want to. I have Iowa on my list, but it's actually not until number four, and the only reason is because I had some question about the interior. They do return three offensive linemen to that starting role next year, but I had the Oregon Ducks at number one because they don't just return five starters. They actually returned six because their left tackle got injured and they had somebody else slide in there. So they returned six offensive linemen that have starting experience. Uh, you look at Calvin Throckmeyer, Shane Lemieux, and Jake Hansen are top at their position. That's tackle guard center. And then they return some other guys. Those three guys that I mentioned are going to be four-year starters when they leave Oregon. This is going to be an elite-level group. <laughs> yeah, and, and their left tackle, whose name that I, I'm not even going to try to pronounce, uh, yeah, I will. Pene Swell. He is one of the top <laughs> recruited guys. <laughs> he's going to be the left tackle coming off injury. I think he's going to be very good. He might be the best prospect on this list. Oregon is going to be very good. I actually think that they're going to be one of the top teams in the Pac-12. And the reason why is this experience that they have at the offensive line. Yeah, I think we're we're eventually going to do previews. And I think we will talk about Oregon as a team that very well could win the Pac-12. I think they easily win the North. Yeah. 
Like, I don't even know that really like Stanford might be able to challenge them, but Oregon is going to be so good this year. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so I have Oregon number three, so Iowa one for me. I have Michigan number two, and this is not me pandering to our Wolverine fans, which are amazing. I already got the receiver group in there. We talked about the quarterback group. When you have a guy named John Runyon on your offensive line, it's probably going to be pretty good. You got John Runyon's son playing mm-hmm. left tackle. He's going to be a redshirt senior. Someone we'll be talking about a lot. Uh, ben Bredson at left guard. Again, experience. Uh, Cesar Ruiz at center. Experience. Michael Anwenu at right guard. Experience. Andrew Stuber. Experience. Every starter is a junior or higher. This group has played together. There's continuity. There's chemistry. They are just so smooth. If you go back and watch Kron Higdon running the ball last year, you're like, God damn, that boy's running through some holes. Like he looks just smooth as hell. And then you got to step it back and like, look at the holes that they're opening up, especially this left side. This is probably the best left side run blocking group in all of college football. They just know how to get it done, know how to operate to get to the second level. The combo blocks are incredibly clean. So I think Michigan getting back to their roots a little bit with a great offensive line. Yeah, and for me, I left Michigan off the list because I went with Georgia at number two. Georgia is another school that always trains out good talent at the offensive line position, and I think this year they're going to have one of their best ones ever. And Andrew Thomas, he looks like an elite tackle who might even be a top 10 pick. And they also returned some other guys with Cade Mays and Isaiah Wilson, who both play tackle, but I bet they get them some time in there in some kind of a rotation, maybe even at guard. This was the SEC's number one rushing offense last year. And I know that DeAndre Swift and those running backs are very good, but I think it starts up front with that offensive line. Yeah, I actually had Stanford here, and then you were right. So I put Georgia uh, in my list because Andrew Thomas does set the table. I've heard really, really good things about Ben Cleveland, the right guard. So keep an Mm -hmm. eye on him uh, as a draft prospect. Otherwise, they're fairly young. Trey Hill is a sophomore. Isaiah Wilson's a redshirt sophomore. So this is a a young team, but Andrew Thomas is going to be an All-American at offensive tackle. My number five team, Wisconsin, even when they lose guys to the NFL like they did uh, with the the big right tackle whose name just completely escaped me, Edwards. Yep, Edward, David Edwards. uh, They have it going together. I mean, this is what they do at Wisconsin, man. They just, they recruit offensive line play. They have great running backs. Uh, Their their center, Tyler Biedas, there it is. Biedas is the best center in the nation. uh, And they're going to be very, very solid up front. The left tackle, Cole Van Van Lannan, there's so many names here. They are going to be very, very good, not just as draft prospects, but I think when our guys do the Joe Moore Award, and we, we had Duke Manny weather talk about that last week, Wisconsin will be up there. I think it'll be Iowa, Oregon, Wisconsin are probably the favorites. That award goes to the best offensive line group in the nation. It's like it's intense the way that they scout and research this. So it's last year Oklahoma won it. It's always very, very credible. So I got an Iowa, Michigan, Oregon, Georgia, Wisconsin. Mello, who's fifth on your list? I'll run mine back. I have Oregon, Georgia, Clemson, Iowa. And the number five team, uh, I'm going to go Homer pick here. I'm going to go with the Mizzou Tigers. Uh, Mizzou led by three linemen with all SEC potential. I really like what they have. Yasir Durant at left tackle could be very good uh, as a draft prospect. I think he's going to be a guy who's regarded as one of the best tackles in the SEC. And then you have hometown talent here from Webb City, Missouri, Tristan Colon Castillo. 
looks like a very good center, and it's great to see him come from the place that we're actually doing this podcast from. So I'm going to give him all the love that I can. And Trevor Wallace-Sims, who dominated the middle at the guard position, they lose Paul Adams at right tackle, but I still think that this group is going to be one of the best in the SEC. And if you're in one of the best in the SEC, that immediately makes you one of the best in the nation. So they get the number five nod for me. Yeah, it is going to be. Missouri's going to be another sneaky team in the SEC. It's not just about Bama and Georgia this year yeah. and LSU. Like, you got Florida, Missouri. There's going to be some very we've, good groups. We've already there. mentioned Missouri twice, and we haven't even talked about their best player, who I think is their running back. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Dang. Yeah, Missouri's going to be good. If we ever had a free weekend, I would say we would make it back to Columbia. Columbia is a great spot for a college it football. It is. As, and I know I've told the story before. When I was 19 years old, uh, Gary Pinkle was the first coach to vouch for me and credential me. I, I remember being 19 and years he old. he was a dickhead. He was terrible. <laughs> yeah. I hated him. But he suffered for like, some To the media, he, he hated him. But yeah, you got credentialed. We yeah. went to the Texas game that year because you got credentialed. Uh, maybe not when you were 19, but we saw the that national championship team in yes. 2005. I was pretty young. We got to see Vince Young because you got credentialed. So yeah. thank you, Matt Miller and Gary Pinkle. <laughs> there we go. When we come back, we're going to get into the defense with D-line and linebacker groups. It's time for defense, Mello. One of the favorite things that we do on the Stick to Football podcast, giving love to guys that play defense. And let's start with defensive line. Uh, for our purposes, I included guys who would play D end or outside linebacker and then the down defensive lineman. It is. It's, it's confusing. so hard because you get these teams that run the three, four, and it's like, do I count the outside linebackers as an edge rusher, defensive lineman or linebacker? So if they listed them as a defensive lineman, that's what I ran with. Uh, so like a school like LSU has two very good outside linebackers, edge rusher types. I counted them as linebackers. Yep. I did the same. Let's kick it off. I went with... Iowa. So if you want to watch offensive line or defensive line, watch Iowa because my guy, AJ Epinesa, holy shit, is he good? But that's not it. They have Brady Reef uh, in there playing defensive tackle. They have Cedric Lattimore, both seniors, so a lot of experience there. And then keeping on Chauncey Golston, number 57, he's going to have to step up this year uh, again and bring some pass rush to the Hawkeyes because they did lose Anthony Nelson. So Epinesa and Golston, one of the best bookend duos that we're going to see in college football this year. Yeah, and you talk about Iowa. I'm actually going to stay in the state of Iowa, but I'm not going to go Hawkeyes because Iowa State has a great defensive line, and people probably don't know that because it's Iowa State. They're not number one for me. I'm going to start at number five this time. So you're throwing but me off. You look at Ray Lima. He is already a two-time all-Big 12 defensive lineman. He's got a chance to be a three-time all-conference, first-team all-conference player. He is very good. Uh, Bailey, their edge rusher, he's going to leave Iowa State as the all-time sacks leader. He already has 18 and a half uh, after having eight last year. They are a very good and underrated team. I really like Iowa State, at least what they're doing on the defensive line. I wanted to make sure I gave them some love at number five. I like it. Getting getting deep in this. At number two, since we're going in opposite directions here, uh, I'm going to go with Ohio State. And that might seem incredibly obvious. But remember, they lost Nick Bosa. They lost Draymond Jones. So they're actually replacing a lot of talent there. But Chase Young, 
playing defensive end, one of the best in the nation. He will be a top five prospect. If he stays healthy, he'll be a top five pick. But Tyreek Smith, the other defensive end, a true sophomore, is going to have a big year. We saw great things from Robert Landers last year, number 67, kind of a nose tackle type there in the middle. And then Devon Hamilton, a redshirt senior. They rotate a ton at Ohio State. So this Mm. goes beyond the four starters. Someone like Teron Vincent, a sophomore defensive tackle. We're going to be watching him. Tyler Friday, a sophomore defensive end. Uh, Those are two players. And then Zach Harrison, a freshman defensive end. If he works into this lineup, man, they are going to be absolutely loaded at Ohio State. Yeah, I think Zach Harrison's probably going to be the next guy in that line. We saw him, you know, in the I, one of those All-American Bowls. He looked very good. You have Chase Young. He's the next guy in that line after the Bosa's Chase Young, and then it's going to be him. For me, I went number four. I'm going to go with Notre Dame, and even though they have to replace Jerry Tillery, who was a first-round pick last year, I love their bookends, and Khalid Kareem and Okawara, they might be the best bookends in the nation, in my opinion. Uh, so I'm going to go Notre Dame there, and that's my number four team. Yeah, I, I, we are very different on this list. Uh, I went Alabama at number four, and uh, excuse me, I went Auburn at number three and Alabama at four. I'm giving my list away here. But when you look at Auburn, let's talk about the fact they got Derek Brown, who came back for his senior year. At one point, he was projected as a top 60 pick in this draft. Yeah. So Derek Brown comes back, but Nick Coe playing that buck position, Nick Coe can get after it. They also have a guy named Big Cat Bryant. <laughs> yeah, Who's right? a backup, but I don't care. <laughs> His name is Big Cat Bryant. That's amazing. So they have depth. I mean, Marlon Davidson's a good player. Uh, Tyrone Truesdale's a good player, but it's all about Derek Brown and Nick Coe and their ability to get after the quarterback. Since you talked about Auburn, I'll go ahead and jump up and I'll just recap my list when I'm done because I have them as the number one defensive oh, line wow, really? in the nation. I really like Derek Brown. And after watching him, uh, I think that if the depth position at the draft for defensive linemen wouldn't have been so great, maybe he does go ahead and opt out to come early. But what they had last year in the NFL draft was unheard of before. So I think that this is a first-round talent-type guy next year where the defensive line is not going to be so deep. Nick Coe and Marlon Davidson are other guys that you mentioned. Those three guys have had 15 sacks in 2018. And that 15 sacks might not sound like a lot, but in the SEC where a lot of schools still run the ball 40 times a game, that's pretty impressive to do. So I have Auburn at number one for me. Yeah, Auburn's going to be, I don't know what they'll be on offense, but on defense, they're going to be really good. I can tell you from watching their film last year, they won't be able to protect the quarterback. Yeah, that is very true. So we've jumped all over the place here. I have it, number one, Iowa, two, Ohio State, three, Auburn, four is Alabama. And we've tried again not to play the homer card of just putting Alabama at the top of everything, not putting Clemson at the top of everything. But Alabama does bring back Raekwon Davis, who, again, a lot of folks thought maybe could have declared last year and been an early pick, and he he came back. But Anthony Jennings is also going to be healthy and playing that jack position, being a pass rusher. So some people are going to say, well, he's a linebacker. He's a pass rusher. Him healthy is going to change this defense. And then they have these next guys coming up. Fedarian Mathis coming up. Going to be able to replace a lot of production in the middle. LeBron Ray, we're going to see Christian Barmore in there. Uh, Chris Allen, they're just so deep. I mean, eight, nine deep Alabama goes to the defensive line. They don't have the standout guys like in Iowa, Ohio State, Auburn, where Raekwon Davis is good. He's not going to be the best defensive tackle in the country or shouldn't be anyway. We saw last year they are pretty good at finding these guys and just making them great. But I think Alabama just has really good depth. Yeah, and I left them off. This was the list where I said, okay, Alabama defensive line, they probably have to do it just because there are a lot of question marks. And I counted their 
edge rushers as linebackers for me, so I left them off my list. I'll give you my five here. I went Auburn, number one. Number two is my favorite to win the Pac-12 this year, so here's your spot where you go place your bet right now. Utah is going to be a great team, and I think they're going to make a run at that playoff if they finally let a Pac-12 team in. Number three, Michigan State. Number four, Notre Dame. And number five, Iowa State. Looking back at that number two team, Utah returns two elite-level defensive linemen. Uh, Brady, Bradley, Anwa. I don't know. I don't know. know. Led the conference in sacks last year with eight. He's going to be very good off the edge. He looks like a top edge prospect that we're going to have in the draft. And Fotu, their defensive lineman who plays that nose tackle position, he is disruptive. He is going to be another prospect in the draft. I really like what Utah can do. Bringing these two guys back is going to be just hell for everybody else in the Pac-12. And they also have some good linebackers and a good secondary. This defense, though, is going to be led by these two gentlemen on that defensive line. So I actually have Utah number five. And I'll tell you a story. When I was doing this last night, you kind of have these like perceptions of which schools are good at which positions, and you start there. And for Utah, I went, oh, linebacker, Utah. And then I remember that Chase Hansen and Cody Barton are gone. I was like, okay, so I'll watch their D-line. <laughs> You're right. The D-line is really good. Fotu is the guy there. I mean, he's the one to watch uh, that will be very, very impressive in the middle. And they're just they're always so well coached on the defensive line at Utah. So that makes it a lot of fun to watch. How about these linebackers? Let's jump into that. I'm going to kick things off. Number one, the Alabama Crimson Tide. And I said it, we're not going to play homers with Alabama. I know you all get tired of hearing about it, but Terrell Lewis is coming back healthy. Dylan Moses is probably the best linebacker in the country. And then I'm excited to watch Ale Keho at middle linebacker. Uh, they have already started talking this dude up, only a true sophomore, so not even draft eligible yet, but they are already excited about what he brings to the table. Yabi Anoma, uh, if Terrell Lewis doesn't bounce back from that injury, he's going to be able to step up with that strong side linebacker position. So Nick Saban just knows how to recruit defense. Let's not get mad about it. They deserve to be on this list. Yeah, and I, we have the same top three teams here, but I have Alabama at number three. Dylan Moses is going to be the best linebacker prospect in this draft. I don't think that there's really even anybody that can come close to him and what he's done so far. He's going to be that middle linebacker. I counted Anthony Jennings in this group as that edge rusher. And you also mentioned Terrell Lewis. If he can come back from an ACL injury, he's going to be another very good edge rusher as well. Just the length and size they have it at Alabama at linebacker. It's every year. Just the next guy yeah. up. You mentioned some of the young guys they have. Nick Saban is going to have this defense or sorry, this linebacker group ready to go every Saturday. Yeah, they're good. Number two, I have LSU. Uh, my guy, my favorite name to say, and I'm probably saying it wrong, but I don't keep saying it like this. Caleb on chase on, uh, you can call him a pass rusher. If you want, he's going to stand up on the edge. He's just, he's fun in the middle, but they have a lot of senior and upperclassmen play here. I like Jacob Phillips a lot. He's mm-hmm. rocking number six out there. Michael divinity jr. Playing the Rover spot. Uh, Travis Moore as that buck linebacker. So they have four guys who are experienced athletic. And I know when we were down there last year, talking to Jacob Hester, talking to some of the other guys, they're talking about chase on, they think he'll be a top 15 pick. Unfortunately, he got hurt last summer. Uh, wasn't able to play last year, but man, he is special. So getting him back on the field is going to be great for LSU. And I agree with you. That's why I have LSU at number two as well. And this is even with them replacing Devin White, who was probably one of the best linebackers in the world last year. Uh, so replacing him with Jacob Phillips, I think is going to be okay. I think that he's a guy that can step up and fill that void. Maybe not be the same player that Devin White was, but he's still going to get the job done. He's going to lead this defense. And then Chase on coming back healthy. 
I was very excited to watch this guy last year before he got hurt. And it sucks, but he also, he's had a whole year to recover, get healthy. Uh, his body didn't take the beating of being an SEC linebacker. So I'm excited to see what he can do in 2019. Yeah, I am too. This is where you and I are going to get very different uh, because you have this team at number one. I have them at number three, and that's the Miami Hurricanes. They obviously, everybody knows Shaq Quarterman. He's a senior. He's a stud. Michael Pickney, a senior. He's a stud. Uh, but Zach McLeod, another senior. So mm-hmm. three senior linebackers, which is part of what makes this so much fun. Avery Huff coming in as a freshman. If he can work into the, the playing time rotation, I remember uh, seeing him uh, as a recruit and really liked his ability. But it's really about these three senior linebackers and what they have. This entire Miami defense is going to be pretty solid next year. Yeah, despite having to replace some guys like Johnson on the back end and some of those defensive linemen, they do return all three of their starting linebackers, and that's why they're number one for me. You look at Quarterman and Pinckney, those were two guys that we were talking about when we did our position previews last year for the (laughs) 2019 draft. Now we're going to be talking about them again in 2020. And, oh, yeah, their head coach is one of the best linebacker coaches in the world. With Manny Diaz going there, I think that he's still going to have his hand in there with the linebackers, just like Nate, Nick Saban does with the secondary. So Manny Diaz is really the reason why I put these guys number one. You return all three starting senior linebackers. I think they're going to be special this year. I think the turnover chain is going to come back. They're going to have those forced fumbles. They're going to have interceptions. They're going to have tackles for loss. That's why Miami is number one for me. All right, number four, uh, shout out to our girl, Sports by Page, because I'm going Arizona here. The Wildcats are tremendous. It really is about one guy. Colin Schooler, who plays Mike Linebacker, he led the team in tackles. I think he actually led the team in sacks as well. Is he is Scooby Wright 2.0? No, I think that he's actually good is probably <laughs> the biggest difference. Um, about the same size. He's like six foot two twenty-five. But he was just I mean, watching Cal last year or watching Arizona last year, excuse me, dude's just all over the field. I, he's got like the the eyebrow scar thing going on. Um, he was uh, all Pac-12 first team last year. He really should have got more accolades than he did. Uh, he has 35 tackles for a loss. So he's going to break that record um, very, probably within his career. But Colin Schooler, someone to keep an eye on. They also just have talent around him. Uh, Jalen Harris, a redshirt sophomore, but they call him a stud linebacker. He's going to be pretty good there. Tony Fields, a will uh, linebacker. We've talked about him a little bit as a draft prospect. And then they have Tristan Cooper kind of playing a spur position. So you can call it a safety linebacker. He's a hybrid, but they run four deep. That's very good at Arizona. Yeah. And I love how college football will list these guys. And you really have to like do your work and figure yeah. out, okay, what is the star position? What is the block linebacker? <laughs> right. I don't know what these <laughs> mean. Yeah. yeah, but I do love it. I, number four for me, I'm going with a big blue blood program and I'm going with Ohio State. And they may not have the big name like an A.J. Hawk or an Andy Katzenmoyer, but they have depth at linebacker. And part of that reason is because they had some injury last year. But their middle linebacker, Tough Borland, who probably has Great the best name. middle linebacker name of all time, Tough Borland is going to come back healthy. Pete Werner on the outside, Baron Browning, Brendan White, and Malik Harrison also all return this year. So much depth there, athletic ability, instincts. I really like this Ohio State group, despite not having one of those top-end talents like the other schools that we mentioned. Number five, I went with the California Bears. I didn't go with some of the the traditional powers here, but I really like what Cal has. I think Evan Weaver uh, at linebacker last year had 155 tackles, eight and a half for a loss. 
four and a half sacks. He had two picks as well. They just have, I mean, when you have that guy in the middle making everything work, it's great. Colt Dowdy playing the other inside linebacker spots, solid. Cameron Good and Tevin Paul on the outsides. So going a little bit deeper than some of the surface level linebacker schools, I really like what Cal can bring. Yeah, and they do have that top-end talent, too. Last team for me, number five. Let me run back through my list so it's not confusing. Miami, number one. LSU, number two. Alabama, number three. And Ohio State, number four. Number five is linebacker U. The first school that ever really started this uh, position group university thing was Penn State. And they returned two senior linebackers who maybe aren't going to be great prospects, but they're going to get the job done there in Happy Valley. Cam Brown and Jan Johnson are going to be very good linebackers. They're going to provide that leadership, that stability to a very good, very young linebacker group because their best linebacker was a true freshman last year. That's Micah Parsons. He came in as a five-star recruit, one of the best in the nation, and he lived up to the hype. He wasn't even a starter last year, and he led Penn State in tackles with 87. He is going to be an elite linebacker, not even eligible for the 2020 class. We'll have to wait till 2021 for him. And they did it again. They bring in Brandon Smith, who's going to, I think, play immediately in this rotation, and they also have two other sophomores, Ellis Brooks and Jesse Lokita. That's a lot of linebackers that I just named, and every single one of them is very good. They're four-star type guys. Linebacker U stays in Happy Valley because these guys are very good with a lot of depth. It's time for DBU. And DBU, actually, I don't know if they'll make a... I don't even know who it is anymore, actually. I was say they might not make an appearance, but there's so much debate about who it actually is. There really is. is. And, you know, some of the usual contenders are definitely going to be on our list. You look at schools like Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, Florida, Texas. They all make our list. One team or the other, yeah, one side or the other. They all make our list. So maybe we can finally agree on something on who DBU is, at least for 2019. Let's start at number one overall. I'm going with the team who has the best defensive backs coach in the nation, probably all time, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Even after losing the players they lost last year, I don't know how the hell they do this. They bring back Trevon Diggs. They bring back Xavier McKinney. They bring back your guy, Patrick Sartan Jr. They got Jared Maiden coming up at free safety to replace Deontay Thompson. They're just so deep. And their second team, Daniel Wright, Eddie Smith, Josh Job. Like these dudes would start for some of the other schools in our top five. Alabama is just so good at the defensive back position. Nick Saban can recruit them. He can coach them. They're always smart. They're playmakers. They're hitters. So Bama loaded for 2019. And I have it different, even though I have Alabama at number two. And I agree with everything you just said. Patrick Sertan, one of my favorite corners in the entire league, entire nation. Absolutely love that guy but they don't have Grant Delpit. Grant Delpit is something special at that safety position. And this is the same school that produced a guy like Jamal Adams. Grant Delpit is his own beast, and this guy is very good. That's why I'm giving DBU to LSU, who might actually be the rightful owner of this title, but they also returned another good safety in Jacoby Stevens. I think those two back there playing as a tandem are going to be very good. Uh, Stevens is a guy that bounced around, even played some offense before. I think he's finally found a home playing next to Grant Delpa at free safety and very deep at corner, too. They have Christian Fulton, Kerry Vincent Jr., and Kelvin Joseph. All of those guys return. They're going to take up two of those corner spots. Somebody's going to play on the outside. Somebody's going to play in the slot because Derek Stingley Jr. 
is already going to be one of the best freshman corners on that team. I think that he comes in immediately and he's going to take a starting role. He was already there for the bowl. He got to practice with them. He's an early enrollee guy. He's going to be very special and he's going to keep this trend of DBU staying at LSU until one of these other teams can take it. Well, I have number two. And that's why all those reasons are why I have them at number two. Let's move to number three. The team that actually might be DBU right now, and that's Ohio State. They have done a great job of recruiting, a great job of developing. You talk about all the guys they've lost over the years. Well, they managed to bring Damon Arnett back last year, which I think was huge for them. But also at the safety position, they are so good with Jordan Fuller as a senior. Josh Proctor coming in as a sophomore. But at at corner, they got guys coming in like Sean Wade, a redshirt sophomore, who's going to replace what they lost in Shepard last year. They're just so good at at developing these guys. So good, in fact, that Damon Arnett will probably be the nickelback with Jeffrey Okuda playing the outside corner spot instead. So they got five guys in the secondary who are going to be very good starters. And I'm sure next year when we preview DBs, we'll be talking about Ohio State again because they just turn it over and replace these guys. And you're talking about previewing Ohio State. We've been talking about Damon Arnett for three years now, ever since we started this podcast. Yeah, but you're right. I think he's the third best corner on this team. I have them as the number four defensive back group, but they are very good. And they returned Jordan Fuller, who was very good last year, uh, tied with 81 tackles to lead the team. That's very good from the safety position. I think he's a guy that probably could have tested the waters and went to the NFL, but he comes back. Good decision on him because I think he's going to be a high draft pick. Sean Wade and Jeffrey Akuda are going to man that outside. They look like two elite level corners, so they're definitely still in contention for DBU. My number three team, this is the best cornerback in the world this year. Number three, the Florida Gators and C.J. Henderson. I absolutely love him. Uh, He has the speed. He has the length. I think he's going to be a true shutdown corner. He's going to be a top 15 pick. I love what I've seen out of him so far, and he's already done it against elite-level competition. You look at the SEC and the guys that he's guarded already, he has experience going into his third year, and he gets his mate back in Marco Wilson, who looks like a a shutdown corner of his own. You get those two guys playing on an island, I don't know where the hell you're going to throw the ball uh, because their safeties are good, too. You got Trey Dean back there at safety. He's going to play some nickel as well. A very good team, and they also add two top corners in recruiting with Elam and Steele. I don't know if, if anybody is set up better for the future than the Florida Gators are at the defensive back positions. So I didn't have Florida on my list. I love CJ Henderson. He's the number one corner in the nation. He's great. I just, I guess I wasn't as into the depth as you are. We'll see how that fleshes out. I actually have Michigan uh, at the next spot for me. And I know they lost a lot. Laver Hill comes back though. And he's the dude. Like if he's there, they're going to be solid. Uh, Josh Metalis at strong safety, Brad Hawkins at free safety. Ambry Thomas is going to step in at one corner spot. And then coming up, they got Vincent Gray as a sophomore. This is a very athletic group, a, a good playmaking group. And Laver Hill, Uh, has a chance to win a Thorpe award. I mean, he's that talented. He'll get that type of production in this secondary. So Michigan, uh, I don't think Michigan wins the big 10. I don't even know if they finish in the top two uh, of the big 10, just because I don't know if I trust their offense. The D line is going to go under a massive change, but they, you can listen to these skill position groups, O-line receiver, and and then the secondary, they actually have really good depth. Yeah, and even some pretty good linebackers, too, with Hudson coming back. And I, I think they're going to replace a lot of the guys that they lost. Running back still going to be a question for me at Michigan. Uh, run back through my defensive back list. I have LSU number one, Alabama two, Florida three, and Ohio State four. And my surprise pick that I absolutely love, very proud of myself here, the Syracuse 
defensive back group is special. Syracuse? Syracuse. Okay. Yes. And there's a reason why everybody wanted us to go see Syracuse versus Clemson. And it is because Andre Sisco. Yeah. This dude led the nation last year with seven interceptions, was named first team All-American. He was a true freshman. We've talked about guys like Caden Stern. We've talked about Grant Delpit. We have failed our listeners by not mentioning Andrew Andre wow. Siscu. He is going to be a very good free safety. He's a guy to watch. And also, they bring back three other starters, both corner spots and another safety for the Orange. Syracuse is going to be very good, and we're going to find out how good week three when they do play Clemson because those receivers, obviously very good, but you can't sleep on Syracuse and what they have at defensive back. I like it. Going deep, Mello. Well, I had to get a certain team on this preview. And I wasn't sure where I was going to do it. It's kind of warranted. I think it's warranted. I have the Texas Longhorns at number five. And I do think it's warranted because Caden Stearns is the best safety that we don't talk about enough. We talk about Grant Delpit. Caden Stearns is the next Grant Delpit. He's like Jamal Adams. I mean, he, he no, he's not Derwin James. That might be more Grant Delpit, but he's, he's the alpha leader he, he that is, you need yeah. in your secondary. And my guy, BJ Foster is also a stud who, for whatever reason, listen to me, Tom Herman, is not getting enough playing time. But Brandon Jones comes back a free safety. The the three best safeties in the country as a, a trio right there with Foster, Stearns, and Brandon Jones coming back. Anthony Cook, a sophomore, a very yep. good corner. We saw that last year as he worked in. I'm excited about Jalen Green at the other corner spot. You got Josh Thompson in there, Kobe Boyce. This is a very deep group where Texas has... Seven or eight guys who I really do believe could be starters at a lot of very good programs. So, And with as many people as Tom Herman plays in that secondary, they're going to yeah, need right? all of them. But you're right when you mention these sophomores because I remember when they were all recruited, they talked about how you're losing guys like Holton Hill and all those other Devontae Davis. Yeah. And it was like, oh, my God, what is Texas going to do? That didn't last very long because of these guys who are going to be sophomores this year. B.J. Foster, whatever position he plays at, probably going to play slot corner slash safety. Jalen Green and Anthony Cook at corner, I think they're going to start this year as true freshmen or true sophomores. And then obviously Caden Stearns is going to be great. Brandon Jones, he'll probably be a senior bowl type candidate at free safety. He's been very good over his four years. Uh, was kind of buried on the depth chart for a while. Now he steps up into that leadership role at safety. And I think he's a damn good one. I agree. All right. That, that's our list, man. We just ran through every position. We're going to publish this somewhere so you guys can actually see the list as well as hear it. If you're like me, that makes it a lot easier to where you can see it and not just hear it. So let us know, though. Who do we miss? Tweet us at Stick to Football. It can be your iTunes review this week. If there's someone that, you know, hey, we're not we're not there yet. We haven't watched them play. Give us a heads up. Like Melo said, there's guys at Syracuse. There's guys at App State. Iowa State, a lot of places outside the normally beaten paths of scouting that you're going to want to check out. That is our show for today. Mello and I will be back with you guys Friday morning while Connor is still tramping around Europe somewhere having fun. Uh, The group will be back together before you know it. So Friday morning, another great show coming at you from Stick to Football. 